This is the CPA Lady Podcast, where we're talking everything accounting, taxes, estate planning, and your career moves. We want you to pass on the wealth to the next generation and become the best in your career. And now, here's your host, Marjorie McPike. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the CPA Lady Podcast. My name is Marjorie McPike. I am your host. I am a CPA in Southern California where I focus on taxes and also um, educating people on generational wealth, estate planning, um, accounting, and helping you with your career moves. I have with me today Cedric Collins. He is an estate planning attorney in Los Angeles. Um, Cedric, will you introduce yourself, please? Uh, thank you so much, Marjorie, for having me. It's a pleasure to be on your uh, your podcast here. I'm Cedric Collins, founding attorney, Legacy One Law Firm, based here in uh, West Los Angeles. Awesome, awesome. So Southern California, yes. <laughs> Are you born and raised in Southern California or are you a transplant? I'm actually a transplant. I was actually raised in Florida, but I've spent most of my life here in California. Okay, awesome. So tell us a little bit about your background because you are an attorney and your your primary function is estate planning. Is that correct? Absolutely. And uh, it wasn't always the, the case. I, I actually got into the, the legal field kind of, you know, by happenstance. Uh, I started off wanting to be a music producer. Believe it or not, I played uh, several instruments for a number of, of years, majored in music. And around the, the time I graduated, it was in the heart of the recession. And I knew I needed to make a, a transition or a move. And I I was calling around looking for internships here in Los Angeles. I went to school in Colorado and uh, just so happens that they were laying people off. So during that senior year, I had to make a decision. I was really into the business of music and had the opportunity to study under a couple of entertainment attorneys. And I decided to make a shift toward the legal field. So that's how I got into law, period. But with estate planning, uh, that was something that was newly founded in, in, in recent years. I, I worked in higher education. I was legal counsel for a small university here uh, in the Valley portion of Los Angeles. And uh, after about 50 years, unfortunately, the school was closing its doors. So I needed to make a, a major a career decision here. Was I going to like go work for corporate America, maybe for another firm? Or was I going to hang my own shingle and serve the community you know, on my own? Well, around that time I was uh, planning, I thought that I would initially do only entertainment. Mm-hmm. That was my heart was in music and representing artists and things of that nature. In addition to the work that I did uh, in higher education, but around that time, a lot of entertainers, uh, notable entertainers were dying mm-hmm. uh, without uh, estate plans in place. Right. And so that kind of prompted me and motivated me to look a little bit deeper into this thing. And I found that over 60% of Americans don't have any type of estate plan, whether it be a will or a living trust place. And so I saw this as a grand opportunity for me to be able to serve the community in a much more larger capacity than just in the entertainment space. Awesome. Awesome. And I like that you you decided to focus on estate planning because like you said, 60% of Americans aren't, don't, aren't prepared, but you'll find that there aren't many attorneys that are younger, a younger generation generation of attorney that is actually practicing in that area. They, they haven't found the value. You find that more in um, older attorneys. So you when, when you go to meetings and, and events, you see more gray-haired men there. Nothing against them, but it's just how are we going to pass that information on to the younger generation? So that's Absolutely. Awesome. Absolutely. So your firm, does it focus on just estate planning or estate planning and entertainment as well? Well, primarily about 80% of our practice is you know, focused on family 
families, trusts, uh, and estates. Uh, we do we do represent trustees as well. Um, about twenty percent of what we do is focused on entertainment space. I, we represent screenwriters, uh, you know, some uh, independent musicians. So we that's a smaller part of our practice. We also do some intellectual property work, and we dabble in a little bit of uh, corporate business formation structures as well. So we help like local businesses with formation matters and and compliance and things of that nature and business formalities that are kind of required under California law. So we do provide some uh, business counsel services as well. Primarily, our heart is focused on serving the community through estate planning. So you mentioned that about 60% are less than, you can you can quote the exact statistic, um, but they're not aware of estate planning. So what exactly is estate planning? How would you describe it? How would you explain it to the average person? Well, here's the thing about estate planning. You know, most of us don't like to face the the prospects of our own death, like our own mortality. And in the beginning, when I was even thinking about this space, it, a lot of things came to mind in terms of, because look, I have a son. So I would think, hey, if something were to happen to me, well, well, what would happen to my son? How would he you know, be taken care of? And so it's, I say this a lot, kind of jokingly, it's never the, the sexy conversation to have at the dinner party, but it's the responsible conversation to have. And during the pandemic, more people are becoming more amenable or more open minded to having this type of conversation. So it all begins with, with a conversation right. um, about estate planning and, and what's important to you and important to, you know, to your family. And and so we like to think about estate planning as not planning for death, so but planning for life. Right. Because once something happens to you, then life is going to go on after you. Right. So it's those next generations. So it's how we see a thing sometimes. It's not about planning for death because we know it's all going to happen. Mm-hmm. But what about that lives are going to be impacted? And especially in the African-American community, if I can speak on that for a second, you know, that you know, our planning vehicles that we have, such as our insurances and things of that nature, that may be the only way we can pass wealth down mm-hmm. to the next generation. And so we can certainly talk about different avenues of getting the assets that one would need to do the proper planning for the next generation. Right. So to kind of answer what it is, it's a broad spectrum. It's not just uh, death planning via will or living trust, but it's also things while you're alive. A comprehensive estate plan may include your uh, your California Advanced Healthcare Direct directive your uh, durable financial power of attorneys, uh, final uh, disposition documentation. And for those of us who are parents, such as myself, this is often overlooked, your guardian, your nomination of legal guardians for your minor children. So those are just some of the, the documents that can make up what we call a comprehensive estate plan. And I'm more than happy to go into any depth that you'd like in any of those we call ancillary documents for that type of planning. Okay. And that's important because a lot of people don't even think about that. We're so, we're so conditioned into being... Um, you can kind of say inevitable, you know, nothing's going to happen to me or, oh, I'm of such, you know, I'm a young age and, you know, I have long life, but you never know what can happen. And so that's a good doctrine. Even the nomination of guardianship, especially with a lot of people being single parents, you know, it's not like you're married and you have a husband and wife. So if something happens to one, then the other person is responsible. It's like, what happens if you're a single parent? What do you want to happen? And it's what do you want to happen to your children? Who do you want to raise them? So that's Absolutely. The same with Absolutely. The you know, right? Like uh, who's better Who's better suited to nominate your guardian? The court's not in the best position to do that because that's what's going to happen. If you don't have a, you know, a, a guardian nomination in place, then the court's going to have to pick from the best available candidates. Mm-hmm. And the court doesn't know about that maybe evil stepsister that you have or that 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 uncle that you wouldn't leave around. The court doesn't know that. Right. They don't have all that information that you as the parents have. Mm-hmm. No one else is better suited to appoint the successor to step in your shoes than you are as the parents. Awesome. That's that's good information. Very good information. 
So if someone was to pass away um, and they haven't made any plans, they haven't sat and talked to anyone, you mentioned about um, the court would decide what would happen to the children. What happens to a person's finances or their property? So, you know, we always talk about probate. So can you go into to what happens and how probate comes into being? Absolutely. Now, to address your first uh, question here, what happens when someone dies without a will or, uh, or a living trust? It's called intestacy. Mm-hmm. It's intestate. It means basically it's a legal term for dying without a will. Mm-hmm. So uh, what typically what happens is now, since you have, don't have any type of plan in place, now the court must step in and appoint someone to handle and manage your affairs to work in conjunction with the court. Now, even if you do have a, a basic will in place, there's an old saying where there's a will, there's a probate. Well, wills need to be probated. And basically the probate process and part of the probate process is proving the validity of that will. And so what probate is in the nutshell, it's litigation that's opened up against the estate of the person who's died for the benefit of the, the creditors, people who you may owe money to, also for the beneficiaries. And it's all governed under statutory law, especially, you know, here in California, all the fees, uh, the, the, the hearings, that's all governed by statutory law. And someone must, when someone dies, the court must be petitioned to open up the probate. So now, in, in essence, what's happening is the court is governing the final affairs uh, for the person, even if they have a, a will. So it's a very public process. Mm-hmm. So it's not handled in private. And, and in fact, you can Google the wills of several individuals, such as like David Bowie. You can Google his will. Mm-hmm. We have a couple copies of a couple of famous celebrity wills that we like to show to clients because probate is is a very public process. Okay. And it's public record. So like you said, you can just Google the information. Exactly. Or if you can't Google the information, you can go down to the probate court and, and look for a play a small fee and actually you know, look at someone's will. And a lot of people are taken aback by that when we mentioned that. But yes, you can look at these records because they are public. And so the probate process, you know, we can get to this later on, it is definitely avoidable, but certain plans and steps must be put in place in order to avoid uh, probate. And one of the number one reasons our phone rings is for probate avoidance because of the cost that's involved. It's a significant cost. And basically what the government is saying, if you don't have a plan, well, we have a plan for you. Surprise. And this is what we're going to charge you. We're going to take a chunk out of your estate in order to manage your affairs for you. Mm-hmm. So what are some steps that you can do to avoid probate? Well, first of all, you can opt out of the probate in the process. You do not have to go into the probate process. When you die and something is in your name, such as a house, mm-hmm. a bank account, uh, let's say uh, in stocks or investments, these hard assets that are in your name. Well, the financial institutions aren't going to just release those to uh, to even your next of kin. It has to go through the legal process. Mm-hmm. So in order to avoid going through that legal process, it must be, your affairs must be handled privately. And the, the most common vehicle for doing this is through a revocable living trust. Mm-hmm. Or a revocable living trust is where it's a contract, it's an agreement that you have for someone to step in your shoes mm-hmm. and basically dispose of your estate. I don't want to say dispose, but basically distribute the assets mm-hmm. of your estate in the manner in which you decide in private. So there's a, a trustee, a successor trustee that would step in your shoes to make sure that your heirs, whether they be uh, your, your children, uh, nieces, nephews, whether it be a charitable organizations that you want to um, uh, pass down your uh, your assets to, you get to decide privately how your assets are passed down to future generations. So those are just a couple of the benefits of, of having a trust and how you avoid 
avoid probate. But it must be it must be executed now while you're alive and have the opportunity to do it. Your heirs can't come in behind you and do this. This has to be done and executed by you while you're on this side of the grave. So we want to make sure yeah, I, I, I hammered that home. It must be done now while you have the capacity, the legal capacity, mental capacity to uh, execute a document to, uh, to uh, handle your final affairs. And that kind of goes into um, one of my questions was when's the best time to start or when is it like, when's the best time to start and when is it too late? So it's too late when you're, when you no longer have mental capacity, when you can't make decisions. So while you have your full mental capacity and you know what you want to happen, then it's best with something in place. Absolutely. Well, Marjorie, the best time is right now. If you're an adult listening to this, uh, this podcast or watching this video right now, and you have, you care about what happens to your, your family, you care about what happens to the things that you work for, the, you know, the time is now. Our youngest client is 27 years old and doesn't have any kids. It's a single male. Wow. And, uh, you know, he just had the foresight to know, hey, I have, I've worked for a few years, but I have some things. Mm-hmm. And one of the biggest misconceptions is, yes, it, you, you're too young to plan. Um, so that's a huge misconception because no, no one knows the number of their days. Right. Right. Whether you're 25 or, or 85, no one knows. So if you care about what happens to uh, the things that you've worked hard for, what happens to your kids, if you have those, uh, if you have children, then it's, it's best to start now as an adult. If you're, you must be at least 18 years old uh, to get at least a will at a minimum in place to help secure your legacy and ensure that your affairs are handled according to your wishes, not the state's wishes. Right. Right. I, I like that. I like that. The, so you mentioned a trust, and I know that there's there's an irrevocable trust and there's a revocable trust. Um, what are the steps for setting up a trust? And I don't know if we want to, if you want to go that route or if you want to just kind of explain your whole process when someone comes to, to meet with you regarding estate planning. So you can go either direction that you'd like. Okay, well, we could talk a little bit about both because we want to get the information out there. Uh, yes, there's several. Right now, we live in the internet age. It's the digital age. And there's a lot of DIY methods out there. So for someone who doesn't have any resources at all and says, hey, you know, et cetera, I need to get something in the place. You know, yes, there's always, you can go always go to the internet. There's several resources, but let me, uh, let me throw caution to that. You know, you're kind of you know, buyer beware whenever you're looking at a form template or uh, a, a drafting service. Because a lot of times well, when you take the DIY, we review trust periodically. So a lot of times we end up reviewing. We have uh, clients come in and say, hey, you know what? We did this trust on with this website or with that website. Can you review it? And we find that it was like a, a stack of documents that was template filled in and really doesn't speak to the needs and uh, the subtle, the nuances that can go into um, estate planning. So uh, when we start off with our process here, it's it's really based upon relationships. It's it's our goal not to just give you an expensive stack of documents and that's the end of the uh, relationship. Our goal is to provide periodic reviews, keep in contact, find out what's, what your family dynamics are. And so our process begins with a simple free phone call, uh, 15, 20 minute consultation to discuss, you know, your assets to find out, you know, why are you interested? What's motivating you to start this process to get to know your family a little bit. And even if you don't have a family. So once we found out the, out the why, the next step is we want to, we want to meet with you. And right now during the pandemic, at the time we're recording this video, everything's virtual. Even myself, like I'm even talking from home right now uh, on, on this video uh, because that's just what it is right now. And so we've been able to uh, serve family from the comfort of their own home, uh, from a, from their tablet, smartphone, mobile device, and give them the advice and consultation that they need to ensure that their, their legacy is secured. So we have a simple streamlined process. We'll hold your hand and navigate you throughout that process. And even after your trust documents are in existence,
assistance, we have a plan to help you uh, title those assets properly to make sure the trust is going to work in the manner that it was intended. So it's a, it's a holistic process uh, and it's a bit one that's built on relationships as opposed to a, a transaction because estate planning is far more than just a simple transaction. It's not a stack of dots. It's much more than that. It's your legacy. It's your legacy. Right, right. And it's important too that you make sure that your your assets are, your trust is funded so the assets that you intend to be in the trust are actually in the name of the trust. Absolutely. Great point, Marjorie. We get phone calls from the community and they said, hey, my mom left me a trust or my you know, dad left the trust and left the house in it. But now we're in probate. Why are we in probate when my mom has this trust, right? right? There's most, and most commonly it's due to assets not being properly titled once the document's created. I've had countless stories of someone goes out, spends three, $4,000 on their estate plan. The document sits on the bookshelf for 10 years and then now something happens. Yeah. And now that's that stack of documents that has, hasn't received any attention for a decade. Now we have to rely on that to make sure that legacy is, is passed down or assets are passed down. And if they just basically got a stack of documents, there was no work that went into the retitling of these assets. Mm-hmm. And one thing was one of the things that we do here at Legacy One is that we coach our clients on how to retitle these assets. Mm-hmm. So it's a it's a whole it's a guidance process. We provide unlimited guidance to our clients and how to get these assets uh, properly titled so that way they avoid probate and you don't end up wasting your money right. and you have an expensive stack of documents that's not going to work the way it was intended. So yes, you have to maintain and you have to put a little work in after your uh, trust is created. Mm-hmm. But that's that's so that everything goes as, as it should go. Okay. Absolutely. Right. I, I, I like that. And so then that way it kind of reassures people that you're not just on your own. You know, it's not like um, you're, you're going to walk in here, you're going to, you know, set up these documents and then, you know, you just walk away. You're there. And I think that's important for people to know as well that, you know, there's someone there to help, you know, to keep you Absolutely, because this is this is a family affair, mm-hmm. and uh, we get phone calls from from kids looking for planning for their parents, parents looking for stuff for their for their kids. We're going to you know, basically pass on the torch. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that we help facilitate is those difficult conversations. A lot of times, we we have clients come in, they don't know how to explain to their children what's going to happen, or they don't know how to you know to to articulate, hey, this is what I want to do. We help uh, we help facilitate those conversations. We're more than happy to meet with families. Or during our signing ceremony, we out. Oftentimes, we are in the homes at the ki- at the kitchen table on the couches of the families we've created this plan for, which gives us a, a great opportunity to meet the kids, to meet the relatives, and help facilitate some of those conversations that just need to be had. Because one of the things that's important to your trust is communication. Your trust is only going to be as good as the documents that, that you know, the, the language and the documentation and the individuals that you have making things work if something should happen to you. So communication is the key to making that work, and we'll help coach you on what should be communicated, what questions should be asked, and what information should be passed down to ensure that your trust is going to going to work. So much good information. So much good. <laughs> this episode of the CPA Lady Podcast is sponsored by Todd Capital, the home of the options course of the year, teaching the culture the importance of investing in ownership. Be sure to tap into our courses and podcasts at Linktree forward slash Todd Millionaire. That's L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E forward slash Todd Millionaire. And, and, and now back to the show. And, and estates and trusts have always been such 
a fascinating area for me, you know, working in public accounting and seeing how, you know, other people are passing down wealth. You know, you, you have someone that passes away and they have seven, 10, $20 million, you know, and they're just passing it down and passing it down. And so that's why I feel it's important that this information get out to our community and to people that are less served, that are not aware of the services that are available. So let, let's kind of touch on fees because I know people have a lot of questions about that. You know, a lot of, you know, a lot of times you don't want to go and venture out because of, you know, the cost that's involved. So can you kind of go over a range for your fees and kind of what's included or how it's, how it's developed, what to expect? Well, we, one of the things that makes a legacy one a little bit different is we don't have the traditional hourly fee. And that's the hourly fee. A lot of times at traditional law firms, lawyers can bill on like six minute increments. Yeah. And with estate planning, you know, that doesn't necessarily, you know, line up because it's going to be several phone calls, several email communications. So if you're trying to build this relationship over time, mm -hmm. uh, the client does not want to be intimidated by saying, hey, you know what, I'm afraid if I call my lawyer, you know, I'm going to get sent a bill in a week. Right. So so we've done away with the hourly billing as it pertains to our estate of our clients here at Legacy One, because this is an ongoing relationship. So the flat fee that you pay for us, you know, includes the communications, the emails and things of that nature. And typically our fees can range from as low as $1,500 to $6,000, mm -hmm. depending on what you want. So for someone who, you know, maybe just wants a simple will, doesn't have many assets, of course, you're going to be on a lower scale. But for our clients who have more money than time, they say, hey, Cedric, we don't want anything to do with this. We'll tell you the information. You handle everything. So that's going to be on the higher end of the scale. Mm -hmm. The beautiful thing about this is that you pick, our clients decide the fee based upon the package that they pick that best fits their needs. So we're going to, we have packages that includes a, amount of, a certain amount of services. You pick that package. We'll help you decide which one makes sense to you, your family, and your budget. And we try to simplify. We, we don't typically you lose clients over, over the money part. We don't want clients to be in, in intimidated about the money part. It's going to cost you something. Right. But here's one thing I can tell you. It's going to cost you much more. It's going to cost your family tenfold more sometimes yeah. uh, if things don't get handled on this side. Because if you leave it to the court system to handle it, then you're not going to, your family's not going to like the time that it's going to take to go to the court hearings and sometimes up to 24 months here in California and the cost, the price tag that's attached to that. Yeah. It's, it's a pretty penny. So it's, it's good. And what we'll do is we'll actually sit down and take a look. We'll do a cost benefit analysis. Like, okay, what would it cost for you to plan right here today versus what it might cost your family if something happens to you in two or three years? And really put it in plain English and simplify it so you and you get to decide what makes most sense to you. So that we like to say the money part is easy. Let's just have the conversation first. We can talk. Right, right. And the benefit, it just, it, it far outweighs it, especially if you are, um, you know, looking at preserving your wealth or passing it on to the next generation. You have to put something in place. And, and also, hopefully you have the money, you know. Um, one of the reasons why I started the podcast is because I see so many people that are making money on um, doing digital marketing and selling courses and stock trading, just so many things that they're doing. And it's like, but and they're saying that their intention is to pass it on to the next generation. So it's like, let's get the information out there to them so that they know how to do that successfully so that what their intention is actually happens, which is, you know, a goal of a trust, you know, because it's based on the intention of the person. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so we spend, to kind of piggyback off that point you just made, we spend so much of our time building wealth, but so little time on preserving it. And what I mean by preserving it is not sticking it in the savings account somewhere, but preserving it for your children, your children's children, 
we like to start the conversation with doing that. So yeah, uh, there's millionaires being made right now, even during the pandemic. But we just like to encourage you know the community to not lose sight on the long term goal, which may be much quicker than you may expect. And so we don't want to be fooled and deceived because we have our youth and we have our health. Because unfortunately, that can be taken from us at any time. But this, but the thing, the trick is here. The key is here. It's just making sure that something's in place if something does happen to you that your family or who are charity of your choice of your choosing can benefit from your hard work don't let the government benefit and here is an interesting statistic that i think the listeners might find interesting there's over 9.5 billion dollars with a b with a b in the california state department of unclaimed property and the lion's share of that is there because you know people pass and there's no plans in place and the state ends up with that property eventually because the state does not have the time nor does it have the resources to go trying to find your cousins, 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 or sometimes even your own kids. They don't know. So that property just sits there unclaimed. And so part of our mission is to let's let's reduce that number a bit and let's keep some of that wealth within our family. Right, right. And I'll put a link in or an email or an address, a website address regarding the California unclaimed property site because I think it's good for people to go out there and check it periodically. I know that. Absolutely. A few years ago, and I found, you know, just kind of, you know, looking up different people's names, and I found some money for some people. So, um, yes, we should all check that one too. Absolutely. Look, we're not trying to make the state of California any richer than what it already is. <laughs> Right. Not for the sunshine, right? We pay enough. Exactly. We have the sunshine tax here, everything else. We, you know, pass your stuff down the way you want it to go. The way you want it to go. Okay. So when we're, when we're talking about trust, is there a minimum amount? Because someone asked me this question. Is there a minimum amount that you should fund your trust with or that you should start a trust with? Well, the, uh, so to kind of reframe that a little bit in terms of what do I need? Do I need to have a bunch of assets to get started? Well, right. the answer to that is no, you, you don't. Only thing you need to have is property that you present own. So you can start a trust technically with, with $10. Okay. You know, uh, we, we typically don't, don't advise that, but you could. Mm-hmm. And so the, the, the speak further in that, it's we like to, uh, we, we have a myth busting series that we put out on some of our social media, you know, where we're, we're basically trying to uh, go against some of these myths that are out there. And one of the biggest misconceptions is, hey, I don't, estate planning is only for the wealthy. Mm-hmm. It's only for the ones who are, are the financially uh, affluent or what, what have you. And that's such a big misconception. And you have more than what you think. I want to tell everybody, you have more than what you think. For about half the price of your cell phone bill, you can probably go out and buy a term life insurance policy that could pay for your kid's college education if something were to happen. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And a lot of people don't think about it that way for about half the price of your cell phone. Now, um, I'm not an insurance agent, but but insurance is one of the most affordable ways to make sure that your generation is taken care of uh, if something should happen to you or your significant other. It's that simple. And, And so what I want to put that message out there is find out what is what's that low hanging fruit there and i think life insurance policies are, are an easy way uh, I, I, I tell i laugh and i joke with some of my clients and when we when we kind of tally up the size of their potential state estate if something were to happen to them because that's what we do in our, uh, our our wealth planning session is we actually talk about okay what would be the size of your estate and yes most of us are worth more dead than alive unfortunately right because we have these one million two three million dollar life insurance policies right we won't be millionaires but our kids should be millionaires 
right? Right? Your grandkids, yep, your children's children, right? Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And we can set that up here right now mm-hmm. while you're on this side of the grave. We can put those things in place right. to, to help secure, you know, I keep harping on that, securing your legacy, sure. securing your legacy, because there is, it's, it's about planning for life. Mm-hmm. And then, and unfortunately, it might be life after your life, but it's still life. Right, right. And that's, I like that you mentioned um, life insurance policy, because a lot of people don't think about that as a way to leave, you know, something for their children or something for someone else. A lot of times it's just, you know, burial insurance, but life insurance is more than just burial insurance. I mean, you can get a million dollar or two million, a multiple million dollar policy, right? And you're paying on it per month. And then when you pass away, that can go to a trust or exactly there are such things as life insurance trusts, right? Absolutely. So, and there's ways in order to, to have the beneficiary so that that money goes on to, you know, passes on to them. So absolutely life insurance that that's a good one for, for yeah, it's an it's an easy way mm-hmm. to for for most people mm-hmm. to have access to some resources if something should happen to them and yes the burial insurance it's, it's very limited and a lot of times that's tied to an employer right because we, we have some clients and they of course that's a benefit but what happens if you lose your job in most cases you don't get that you lose that benefit as well but right. your own independent life insurance policy mm-hmm. i'm not a life insurance agent but that one that's independent of your employer one that you you know you can carry with you to the next job Mm-hmm. If you're if you're if you're not self-employed or what have you, mm-hmm. and yeah, so that's an, an easy way. We call that the low-hanging fruit, the low-hanging asset. And you're right, life insurance policies are often overlooked mm-hmm. because it's not a hard asset in most cases that you can use right now. Although there are some types of policies that have a cash value, but at least a term policy mm-hmm. with a payout on death benefit, right. um, it's, it's a minimal yeah. that most people can go out and obtain tomorrow. You can have that tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Something's better than nothing, and it's better. And, and absolutely, the account is not is not what your goal should be, right? So Absolutely. <laughs> Okay. So trust for, for children. Um, say, for instance, someone, you know, wants to set up a chi- a trust for their children. Is that recommended or is that just something that would come as a result of, say, someone passing away and then it like it goes into a trust fund? So, we, we you know, we talk in trust fund babies. So can you kind of touch on that? Well, first of all, if you have minor children, if you have children in the home who are under 18, trust can be in a, uh, the best way. Because mm-hmm. what a lot of people don't know is there's something called the Uniform Transfer of the Minors Act. Mm-hmm. You can't pass gifts directly to minor children, mm-hmm. you know, under on, under the law. This is under federal law mm-hmm. without going through the court system. And I've heard the horror stories. And one of the horror stories I'm reminded of is that, you know, some of, uh, there was one particular case where uh, uh, an eight-year-old boy's mother died while she was washing dishes in the kitchen. And, you know, he had, unfortunately, had a maybe a, a father that was irresponsible, maybe had some substance abuse problems. Well, the money that she put away in the life insurance policy, she didn't have a trust, didn't have an estate plan. So it goes to the deadbeat father, you know, if we, if, if you will, to to support the child. But he spends it and he wasted on his uh, his substance abuse and whatever else he had going on in his life. And now that child's money that mom set aside is not there. And so there, you, you can protect your children more than the court system can. Because the court doesn't know about the deadbeat dad or whatever, which is picking on dads right now. Court doesn't know that, but you might know that. And so you're establishing this living trust. You get to decide at what ages or stages that your child should receive this money. And you might not want, here's another way to, to plan for your kids. You might not want, because I remember when I was 18. So if something happened to my mom and she left me $500,000, don't tell her what I would do with that $5,000, right? $500,000. Mm-hmm. I'm taking trips to Paris, you know, I'm, I'm buying the, you know, the, the, the shoes, the cars, because I have... I don't have the financial literacy 
But with a living trust, there's so much flexibility you can have. You can have disbursements at 21, at 25, at 30. You get to decide at what ages and stages your child inherits the wealth that you leave. And that wealth, I say again, you don't have to be rich. That wealth can be a life insurance policy that you set up. Mm -hmm. But you control how your kids are going to have that Mm -hmm. passed down to them. Mm -hmm. And that's the flexibility part of the flexibility and a control and the control that you have by planning with a revocable living trust. Mm-hmm. I like it. I like it. I like it. I like it. Okay. So if someone, we, we talk about life insurance, um, we've talked about a trust. So what would be your minimum recommendations for someone that's just looking to do something to, to well, just looking to do something. If you're looking to do something, at least a, a basic will in place, right? Because what a, what a, what a basic will does, <laughs> it doesn't keep you out of the probate court. Your family is still going to end up in court, but at least in the court system, the court has your wishes and they're going to, they're going to appoint someone to work in conjunction with the court, you know, an executor or a personal representative to make sure that your assets are passed down in the way that your will specifies. So at a minimum, you know, a, 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 a will. And at a minimum, your advanced health care directives, because in California and in most other states, you know, you're, no one can make decisions for you on your behalf. If you're incapacitated, you're in a car accident or something happens and you end up on the ventilator because of the pandemic, whatever, well, you can't speak for yourself. Well, who's going to step in and make those health care decisions for you? An advanced health care directive allows an agent to step in your shoes and to speak on your behalf, to speak directly with those medical professional, professionals. Oh, and secondly, you also I would recommend at a minimal is getting a durable financial a power of attorney in place because that durable financial power of attorney, the same thing. If you're incapacitated, if you're on a ventilator or if you've been in a car accident, you're in a coma, who's going to protect your good credit now? The mortgage still has to be paid. Your, your kids still have to be provided for. And uh, your, your best friend is not going to be able to walk into the bank and say, hey, you know, uh, my friend over here got into a car accident. And his, he banks here. So, you know, can you help us out? You're going to have to go through the court system in order to get something in place. And that's going to cost a pretty penny, much, much more than it would cost to have the documents prepared and executed, signed by you while you you have your health. So at a minimal, a will, at a minimal, uh, a, a, an advanced California health care directive, and at a minimal, a, fin- a durable financial power of attorney. And if you have those minor kids, don't forget about that. Let's get your guardianship nominations. Very good. Very good. So you mentioned durable power of attorney, because I know that there are two. There's a power of attorney and there's a durable power of attorney. So can you just explain the differences? Well, you have a limited, you have a limited power of attorney and a, and a durable, which a durable is more broad. Mm-hmm. You have, as a broad base of power that you're giving an individual. With the limited power of attorney, you're saying, okay, you're going to represent me for this specific incident. I need you to go to DMV on my behalf or do something on my, it's very limited. The scope of what that person can do for you is very limited versus a durable financial power of attorney. That person can step in your shoes and go into the bank with the proper documentation and withdraw money from your own bank account. They can communicate with your, your creditors, your lenders. They have the ability. You're, you're giving them the ability to step in your shoes okay. So and cover all of your, the broad spectrum. It's going to be limited to what you specify in those documents, but you can make it as broad or as narrow as you would wish with that durable financial power of attorney. So those are the, the primary differences. And something also to keep in mind, and then we, we discuss with clients, is when you want that right to take place. Do you want that person to have the right to operate right now? Or do you want that person to have 
have that right to operate on your behalf if you become incapacitated. Okay. So we discuss those options with the client and we ask those critical questions so that way we can make sure that their wishes are being carried out in the event of their incapacity. Because the thing is, you just might survive and you don't want to wake up to something worse. Sometimes, oh, I wish I had died. I wish I, because now I have all this drama, right? I'm not, not that you're wishing for death, but at the same time, if you wake up and you have all these problems, you're like, well, what could I have done to, to prevent all this from happening? And there there is something that you can do to prevent that, you know, from the financial disaster. From awesome, awesome, awesome. Um, so what would be um, closing remarks or closing recommendations? We talked about minimum. So is there anything else that you would want to share that would help someone? And I did have another question regarding, do you do anything with, because I'm a tax person, um, do you do you do anything with regarding setting up trust in order to help with taxes or would that more come in when someone passes away or when they're actually funding the trust after someone has passed away? Well, yes, uh, there's different ways that we can set up the trust to uh, avoid these estate taxes. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's one of the reasons people come uh, to, to us and have a trust set up is because they, they want the certain tax shelters and tax uh, benefits that come with uh, putting the living trust in place. Now, right now there's something called this federal estate tax exemption that's really, really high. At the time of recording this video, it's about 10.8 or excuse me, 11.8 million per individual. So most of us who are walking around every day, we're not in any danger of uh, of passing that tax threshold because once you pass that tax threshold, you can be looking at 35 to 40 percent taxes if you get above or exceed that 11.8 for individual, about 23.6 for a couple. But the trick with that is we have what we have to keep in mind is that that number changes. Congress votes on that, and that number is subject to change. And I have colleagues that have been around to see that five million. So you have to keep an eye on it. And one of the things that we do with our clients here is we we talk about that eventuality. Hey, this number is going to change. But if it does, you know, what modifications can we make within your trust to make sure your liability is, is reduced for your estate? So, and we also work, we're not tax professionals. We can't give tax advice. We leave that to you, Marjorie, CPA late, right? So uh, we work closely with you and, and as a tax professional to design uh, a shelter that's going to make the most sense for the for the client. So we don't give tax advice at all. If there's something that we don't know or, or planning that should be put in place, we have a, a higher net worth client. That's where we can use the expertise of a tax professional to, to get guidance on how we should structure the estate. Okay, awesome, awesome. So closing remarks, any any last thing that you would want to say that you would want to leave with our listeners and our viewers? That That's it. Just take the steps that you need to do right now while you can, while you're breathing, while you're on this side, you know, to, to get a plan in place. And it just starts with a conversation. You know, reach out to an attorney, someone that you trust. We recommend seeking the help of a legal professional, although you don't have to, but we recommend it uh, to, to start the conversation. Because I know a lot of people, a lot of us out there are intimidated to have that conversation. We don't like to talk about our own mortality. Something's going to happen to us. But to start having that tough conversation because your family's going to thank you. Because the planning that you put in place is not, you know, for your benefit. We don't estate plan for ourselves. We do it for the ones that we love. Those are the people who are going to thank you uh, after something's happened. Obviously, what you don't want to do is you don't want to have the compounded effect of they just lost you, who they love, and now they have the financial burden on top of that of wrapping up your affairs. Yeah, yeah. very good. Very good. Awesome. Thank you so much, Cedric. You shared a wealth of information. Um, I am sure that, that, that people got some gems. I got gems. 
you drop Jim, so I'm sure that's valuable. Um, if you are looking for Cedric, he is with One Legacy, I'm sorry, Legacy One Law Firm in Los Angeles. Their website, I'll let you you give the details of the website, Cedric. Absolutely. Thank you, Marjorie. You can, you can reach out to us for more information, www.legacyonelaw.com. And one is spelled all the way out, O-N-E. So www.legacyonelaw.com. You can also send us an email at info at legacyone.com. Awesome. And Cedric is on Facebook and Instagram under the same Legacy One Law. So mm -hmm. follow him, subscribe to his YouTube channel or, or become a friend on Facebook. All right. Absolutely. We'd be more than happy to, to, uh, to provide whatever information we can to be a resource to you and your, and your family. Awesome. Thank you again, Cedric. I, I'm signing off. This is Marjorie McPike, CPA lady. And I hope that you enjoyed it. Please follow us on Instagram and on YouTube. And we'll be back next week to share more information. Have a good one. Thanks. Follow Marjorie on Instagram at MLMCPA or Twitter at Marjorie L. McPike. That's M-A-R-J-O-R-I-E-L-M-C-P-I-K-E. We'll see you here next time.